up, everybody joining us from wherever you are tuning in from. We are continuing this series, Therapy, where we are each week exploring a biblical perspective on mental health. For the last few weeks, we have been diving into anxiety and what is a perspective that the Bible says uh, is helpful as it relates to anxiety. Tonight, we're going to finish off really the last of the you know, handful of weeks that we've been diving into the topic of anxiety, which is such a big issue that we didn't think we could do it justice by doing it one night. Mental health was a problem in our society uh, well before COVID ever took place and Corona has only escalated and made things worse. So we are camping out and talking each week on session one, session two, session three, and going week by week, what it looks like to walk through therapy, getting healthy, covering anxiety, covering depression, covering just uh, general healing and recovering from our past. So tonight we're finishing off just looking at anxiety and I'm going to start like this. Uh, a couple years ago, I got invited with a friend of mine who was in ministry, JP, if you're familiar, who now leads a church called Harris Creek in Waco. But the two of us were invited to go to London to be a part of a conference for kind of next generation pastors, you know, uh, 75 of us from all over the world. And we were hanging out in London for the week. So we decided, hey, we're going to make this just like a, a brocation, plan it out you know, have a, a game plan for going to see all that London had to offer. Neither of us had ever been to London before. So we're researching. We got the plan. We're going to see Buckingham Palace. We're going to go see Churchill's War Room. We're going to go see the bridge and the Eye of London. We just had everything worked out. And when we got there, I, because I'd never been to London, I didn't know how similar it was to New York City and that the primary way that most people get around town is taking something called the, anybody know? My staff team is right here. The tube. This brother's been to London and then you take the tube. The tube is the subway version uh, in London uh, of how most people get around. It's basically a train that will take you all over the city. Here's why I love the tube. Much like the subway in New York, for $5, you can go anywhere you want in the city. Unlike what, you know, an Uber, the same amount uh, if you paid towards an Uber, five bucks, you're going to get like one block over. If you take the tube, you put five bucks on something called an Oyster card and it loads you up to be able to go anywhere you want. You can go up to Chelsea, you can go over to Kensington, you can go see all that there is to see for such an incredibly cheap price. So we loaded up, got ready, we took the tube everywhere we were gonna go, and something happens whenever you're not familiar with you know, the grid lines of a train organization or train system, so to speak. There are times where you want to go to some area north in North London or in East London or some area and, uh, to go see some tourist attraction, and you get on a train that you think is taking you in that direction only to realize you are headed in entirely the opposite direction of where you want to go. This happened multiple times for us because neither of us had been really to London. So we looked at it, we're like, oh, we need to get on the A line and come up here only to realize we were headed in the complete opposite direction of Buckingham Palace or of whatever site that we were going to see. So in that moment, what do we do? Well, we get off the train, we identify, we begin to try to attempt to find how do we get to the destination we're actually attempting to go? Well, the answer, of course, you need to get on a train headed in the right direction of that destination. Now, what does it have to do with anxiety? Well, really a lot. Because just like there's trains, and depending on which train you get on, it's going to take you in a direction and ultimately a destination. Our minds and our thoughts work in really similar ways. In other words, every time that you have a thought, if you and I choose to allow and dwell on that thought, we continue to invite other thoughts like it that lead us in a direction in life. They begin to fill our mind, fill our, uh, our mindset as it relates to anxiety or anxious thoughts, and they take us in a direction. What I want to cover tonight is one of the most important 
aspects of experiencing a peaceful life, and that is learning to think rightly. The Bible over and over hits that there are thoughts that should fill you and I's minds. There's a way that you and I are to dwell on truth, as we'll talk about here in a second. But if you cannot conquer the ability to think rightly, you will not be able to address your anxiety. So we're going to dive in for the next handful of minutes and really look at two ideas or two points from this text. One of them is related to realizing, the other is replacing. One of them is realizing and the other is replacing. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, it says this. For as a man, or as he thinketh, the King James Version says, or as a man thinks within himself, so he is. Your thoughts take you in destinations. And I'll unpack and explain more what I mean. But the first aspect to you addressing your anxiety, this is so huge. You have got to realize your anxious thoughts lead you in the direction or destination of anxious feelings. Anytime you feel anxious, listen to me, every time you feel anxious on the inside, those anxious feelings are coming from some anxious thinking that is behind them. Your thoughts direct and influence the destination of your life and they direct and influence the experience that you're gonna have with anxiety. That anxious feelings often lead us to you know, reach out and out of the fact that nobody likes to feel anxious, we turn to anything that can kind of give us some sort of peace. So you turn in order to numb yourself through a bottle or to just check out through scrolling through Instagram or anytime there's some sort of anxiousness, out of the overflow of trying to get relief from that, we will reach out to find something that will help us experience more peace. But tragically, we seldom address the anxious thoughts that are behind and fueling and feeding those anxious feelings. In other words, the first idea is that you have to realize anxious feelings come from anxious thinking. Just like I mentioned getting on a train and how there's trains of thought that we get on, if you allow your thoughts and the idea of a train of thought, we even recognize like, hey, thoughts can lead you places. Which is why we have this term of train of thought. If you get on the wrong trains of thought, it will take you towards the wrong destination and lead you in the wrong direction, the wrong direction away from peace and towards anxiety. And you've got to begin to address what are the anxious thoughts that are feeding and fueling the anxious feelings that I have on the inside? What are the trains, the trains of thought that I'm getting on that are taking me away from peace and towards anxiety? Some of the more common trains of thought that I think are common just for, you know, in my life or young adults and have seen over the years would, would look like some of these. This is what I call the WebMD train. And this is the train of thought that you get on, you wake up in the morning, you got like some weird neck pain or something in your back and you're like, oh man, what is going on? And rather than just saying, likely, it's probably that I just slept weird, my pillow was in a weird position, you begin to go, man, I, I think I may have like something, like there's a growth or something inside of here, like neck pain, and I go to WebMD, I pull up the app, I type in on symptom checker, these are my symptoms, and I begin to walk through like, oh, this is what I'm feeling. Inevitably, when it pulls up possible diagnoses, it always includes things like, you know, oh, you got back pain, oh, that could be kidney failure, or a appendicitis rupture, or, you know, <laughs> cancer is in there. For some reason, cancer makes every single list of like, thank you, WebMD, for just making me anxious. And all of a sudden, what was just a little bit of back pain from sleeping in a weird way, you begin to go down that WebMD, you know, train of anxiousness, and you go, oh my gosh, I'm gonna die. I'm too young to die. I didn't even know back cancer was a thing. Who's gonna take care of my dog whenever I die? And what could have been a moment that wasn't filled with anxiety, all of a sudden is. And you feel anxious because anxious thoughts fueled and fed that. 
If you're going to address that anxiety that you feel, you've got to address the anxious thoughts that are behind it. Another one as common is the reading into the relationship train. So this happens early in a dating relationship. It happens any time in a dating relationship, really. But let's say you just started dating a guy. You know, you're three dates in. He drops you off at your house. You get there, and he comes up, gets out of the car, and he says, man, I had a great time. And he proceeds to give you a side hug. You turn away after getting that side hug, and you begin to walk into your apartment, and all of a sudden, you start overanalyzing what does I had a good time mean? And side, side hug? A side, what am I, your cousin or something? And you begin to plan your tape. Oh, he's going to break up with me. He's not interested in me. He was just doing this, like giving it one last chance. I'm not even sure I want to keep moving forward with this. This thing is over, rover. And you begin planning your tape. There's probably some other girl out there. I bet you like Sarah. And without even realizing it, you jump on that train of thought. And the next thing you know, you're scrolling through Sarah's Instagram, checking out how many times your boo, you thought he was your boo, but no more, has been liking her posts and her pictures. And you begin to think, maybe I need to break up with him before this thing ends. I never even liked him that much to begin with. Because you jumped on that train and trains of thought take us places. Another one would be the my boss doesn't like me train. Lauren has this one all the time at work. She's on my team. No, I'm totally kidding. Where all of a sudden, in a moment, you, you send an email, you say something in a meeting, you do something where you're like, here's what I think we should do. And you begin to go, oh man, he did not respond to that the way that I was hoping they would respond. I felt like everyone thought that was a really bad idea. And you begin to think, oh, I, I, I better like, look for something else to do. I'm on the chopping block next. Or you send some email to your boss uh, about whatever it is, and he doesn't respond for a few days. And you go, man, mate, did, he, did he not get the email? No, of course he got the email. It couldn't have gone to spam. We work at the same company. Oh, man, I bet he's going to let me go. I, I'm next on the chopping block for sure. He thinks all my ideas are stupid and dumb. And the next thing you know, you are looking up your LinkedIn profile and trying to find your password because you can never find the LinkedIn password trying to update your resume because you're afraid you're going to lose your job. And you hopped onto that train and without ever even trying, all of a sudden you were moving towards the destination of anxiety and anxiousness. The most common train of thought that a lot of people get on, I was talking to a counselor and just preparing for this series, he described it's just the what if train. We hop on this what if and we begin to think about the future and think about hypotheticals and what if this could happen and we begin to fill our mind with ideas of like, man, what if I get COVID-19? What if something does happen to my parents? What if they're not able to afford retirement and I end up having to take care of them for the rest of my life? What if I'm single for the rest of my life? What if I get married and I can't have kids? And you begin to live in some future hypothetical land out there that only robs you of peace right now and moves you in the destination of anxiety because your thoughts, if you do not address your anxiety at a thought level, you're not going to experience peace. And you've got to recognize and realize my anxious feelings are a trigger that there's anxious thinking that is coming into my head and I've got to address and deal with that anxious thinking the Apostle Paul, in Philippians chapter 4, as we read last week, launched into a conversation about anxiety. And last week we laid out that he said, hey, don't be anxious about anything. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends understanding, can't understand it, it's beyond words, will guard your hearts and minds. 
And then he immediately launches into this next thing. So he says, don't be anxious, pray to God, and also do this. He says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. So he doesn't just say, hey, don't, remember the biblical definition, this is gonna be really helpful for you. Maybe this is your first time tuning in. The biblical definition of being anxious is not having an anxious thought. It's dwelling on anxious or fearful thoughts. It's sitting there, replaying them, rehearsing them, thinking about them, focusing on them, dwelling on those things. Paul says, don't do that. If you have fearful thoughts, they're gonna pop up. They're occasionally gonna fill your mind, but don't dwell on them. Don't hold on to them. Don't meditate on them. Instead, Meditate on these things. Get on these trains of thought. And he lays out, hey, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's pure, whatever's worthy of excellence, these are the things that should fill and flood your mind. The second idea that Paul talks about is you and I have to replace, if we want to experience peace, we've got to replace our trains of thought. Now, before I launch into that, here's one thing that is highly related to whether or not you're going to experience peace or highly related to how you can address the trains of thought. You have got to examine what is feeding your anxious thinking. Your anxious feelings come from anxious thoughts. What is feeding those anxious thoughts? I don't know what it is for you, but I know every single one of us, there are things that can fill in a moment our anxious thinking. Maybe it's scrolling through social media and you need to take a break from social media because you get on there and every time you do, it fills your mind with how much you don't have, how discontent you are with life, how sad you are that they, you know, you saw a picture of somebody posting their engagement pictures and what floods your mind is I'm going to be single for forever. I'm going to be the cat lady that grows into old old age with 47 cats. Nobody cares about me. And what could have been a moment of peace is a moment of anxiety because you jumped on that anxious train because something was feeding it, social media. Maybe it's the news, like it's borderline impossible to turn on the news and not feel anxiety coming up. Being bombarded with, you know, virus spread, political craziness, racial tension, and that's just in America. And then now we got global news versus like back in the day, in order for you to be, uh, you know, anxious about Pakistan 50 years ago, you, it would take a while to get over here. Now with the click of a button, you can be worried about things you didn't even know existed until five minutes ago. And you need to watch, what are you feeding yourself? What is filling your head, filling your mind, filling your thoughts? Because if it's filling your thoughts and it's anxious or fearful, it's gonna fill your heart with anxious feelings. You've got to address what you're feeding yourself. Maybe you need to get off, you know, like to know it or Pinterest or just online shopping because when you do, you get on there and you scroll through a thousand different, you know, bridal dresses or clothing that you can't afford or whatever it is and it just feeds something inside of you. It is impossible to live a peace-filled life with anxious thoughts, to live a content life with discontent thoughts. As we read earlier, the Proverbs say, as a person thinks, so they are. Your life is being shaped by how you think. And what you think is being shaped by what you're feeding it. You may need to take a break from dating apps because every time you're on there, your emotional joy of that day goes up and down based on whether or not you got a match. And you find yourself quickly scrolling through, disappointed 
almost self-loathing because you're like, man, another day and nobody liked me. No one will ever like me. And you're feeding something that is not helpful. If you want to experience peace, you've got to address the anxious thoughts. And if you want to address those, you've got to address what's feeding those. Because Paul would say, you need to replace that with the truth. You need to replace that with God's word and hold on to what is true. By thinking about what you're thinking about. Over and over, the Bible talks about this. Like, if you want to experience transformation in your life, you got to change the way that you think. Which is why Paul said, hey, get off those trains. You need to get on these trains. If the trains of thought you're dwelling on are not true, lovely, good, right, pure, noble, you need to get off of those. Imagine how you and I's life would change if what filled our hearts was not thoughts of fear, but of faith. Not thoughts of like how temporary, you know, things around us are, but like eternal, like this life is a vapor. I'm going to be in heaven forever and ever. No matter what I face, I can handle it because this life, the scripture says, is like a vapor. It's like when it's cold outside and you breathe and it's there and it disappears. It puts it into perspective. So now whatever I face today, I'm like, man, it's, I'm going to be okay. If my life was filled with thoughts, not about myself, but about others. If it was filled not with thoughts about uh, negativity, but positivity. If you were to examine the thoughts that you've had today, how would you describe them? Were they more all like the world thinks? Or more like God describes and what God says is important? Were they more peaceful or more anxious? Were your thoughts about yourself more negative today or positive? Begin to audit and think about what am I thinking about? Because you're going to experience an anxious life if what fills your heart or fills your mind is anxious thoughts. Imagine how our life would change if what flooded through our mind constantly. I know my life does and would and is and experiences peace when what floods my mind are thoughts like these. I mean, God is good. He's in control. I can trust him. God is good. He's in control. I can trust him. God is good. He's in control. No matter what I feel, God, you're good. You're in control. People think they're in control. People think that, you know, society and the population decides what's going to happen. You've already determined and you're over everything. I can experience peace. You promise that no matter what I face, God, you are going to work it together for the good of those who love you. You're going to work it together for good in my life. You're going to use it no matter how hard it is to bring about good in my life. God, no matter what I walk through, I'm never alone. You are with me. I've never been alone. I'll never be alone because you've promised in your word, you'll never leave me nor abandon me. How about thoughts like God has promised, I'm going to meet all of your needs. God will meet all of my needs. If I need it, God will meet my need because he cares about me. That's like my, my sexual past doesn't define me. Sin that I've committed doesn't define me. What Christ did on the cross, that's what defines me. That's what defines me. That's what defines me. How would your life change? How much negative self-talk would end? How much more peace would you experience? Paul would say, you have got to begin to replace, second idea, the trains of thought. If they're not noble or right or pure or lovely or admirable or really just if they're not consistent with God's word, you've got to begin to replace those trains of thought in your life. The final idea, I know I just said two, but I'm going to almost bracket into a third one, is that in order to experience 
peace. You've got to realize the full truth in your life. You've got to begin to realize in the midst of those moments where I feel anxious, what is the anxious thought? Here's what I'm feeling. I feel anxious. What anxious thoughts are informing this? Man, I feel anxious that my mom is getting older and I'm worried she may get COVID and she could get sick and die. Okay, so now I'm feeling anxious about that. The thoughts that are informing that, in order to experience peace from that anxiety, I got to address those thoughts and address them with the truth from God's word. What do I mean by that? Like, here's why... Here's the power of a lot of the anxious thoughts. It's so important, so stay with me and I'll try to explain it as best I can. The power of the anxious, the reason why you're anxious is because a lot of those thoughts that fuel your anxious feelings, there is some truth in them. That's what makes them powerful. Like if it was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious right now because my mom is gonna get eaten by an alien. You, you probably don't struggle with that. You probably have never been like, oh man, that's, that's a realistic scenario. What makes our anxious feelings so strong or the power in them is that there is some truth in the ideas or the thoughts that are feeding those anxious thinking. Does that make sense? So in order for you to address that, you've got to get into not just a partial truth because there is some partial truth inside of the things that feed our anxious thoughts, but the entire truth. What do I mean by that? Like, let's use that example. Like, man, I'm anxious right now. I feel anxious because I'm worried. My mom's only getting older. Maybe she could die from COVID. That's being fueled by anxious thoughts that, okay, she's 68, She has an autoimmune disease. She has whatever, yada, yada, yada. Those are all realistic thoughts. She could die by COVID. That's true, but it's only part of the truth. The entire truth, God's word tells us, is that God is in control over everything. He's determined your mom's days before she ever existed. He will not allow her to die one second before he is already determined. She's gonna live the number of days whether or not COVID is there, that he is allotted and planned out for her. And that's the entire truth. So I can either rest in the promise that God, you're over all of that. Nothing's gonna happen that you didn't see coming, that you're not in control over. And I can have peace or I can just be anxious. But I'm believing part truths that are behind that. The weird thing about part truths, which are generally speaking, what is filling Honestly, I think it's almost always half-truths or not the entire truth that fuels and feeds our anxious feelings and our anxious thinking. Is that by nature being half-true, that means they're half-not-true. It could be true, or they're half-true, which means they could be half-lies. They're not necessarily the truth. And the way that you and I combat them is with the entire truth which comes from God's word. What does God actually say about this? And it gives me a perspective and ability to address the anxious thoughts that I have. Maybe you find yourself wrestling with, you know, half truths, if you will, of things like this. Like, man, I'm never going to be able to conquer my depression. My brother will always be an addict. I'll never be able to get out of debt. I don't have friends that care about me. I'm never going to get married. I'll always be alone. The power of those things is, man, there is some truth in them. It's just not the entire truth. I'm never gonna get married, I'll always be alone. What makes that powerful is there is some truth in that. You may never get married. But the entire truth is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you'll never be alone. You've never been alone. God has promised you may be single, but you're not alone. And the only thing that can fill a hole in your heart that lacks 
some relationship that you want. It's not a relationship with the person. It comes from God. And you may not believe it right now, but that is the truth. That's the entire truth. And you can allow those anxious half-truths or anxious thoughts to feel your anxious feelings. But if you begin to address them with the truth from God's word, God, I'll never be alone. This life is a vapor. Whether I'm single or not, I can experience an amazing life. We've already seen, I mean, Jesus, who experienced an amazing life, or Paul, who didn't lack anything in life. He experienced the abundant life the Bible calls it. Neither of them were married. They didn't get to heaven experiencing lack here. And so as I begin to combat the lies or the half-truths with the entire truth, I begin to experience peace. Maybe you find yourself thinking, man, I'll never be good enough. I'm never, all the other people, like they're so much better than me. They're gifted in ways that I'm not. I just feel like so insecure about myself. And there's a part truth in that. You'll never be good enough. But the Bible says that's not the whole truth. The entire truth is that because of Christ and your relationship with him and Christ in you, you are more than enough. It even says that in our weakness, in the places where, aka, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, hey, wherever you're weak, aka, not enough, not smart enough, not pretty enough, not talented enough, in all of those places, God is more than enough and his power is made perfect in weakness. So I can either dwell on, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed, I'm so insecure, I don't like who I am. Or I can say, man, all of the weaknesses that I bring to the table, God is bigger and better. And in the midst of the weakest, place, the weakest places in my life, God can show his power, show up and show himself. He's more than enough. That's the whole truth. Maybe you find yourself thinking, I can't change. I'll always be depressed. I'll always be Addicted, I'll always be whatever it is. I'll always have dysfunctional relationships. The reason why that I can't change is powerful is there is some truth in it. But it's not the entire truth. It is true, you can't change. But the Bible says the entire truth is that through Christ, God can change you. That's the entire truth. And he can bring that about in your life. As you walk with Jesus, as you study his word and you begin to apply it and you surround yourself with God's people, he will begin to change you. Maybe you struggle with thinking that your value is found in how you look. And here's what, let me just tell you. It is. Your value is found in how you look, how much you make, how much is in your bank account to the world, to people who do not matter, whose opinions do not matter. And you get to decide, am I going to let the opinions of the world around me determine my value? Or am I going to embrace the entire truth, which is that it may matter to them, but my value is not determined by them. My value has already been determined by God who gave his life for me by sending his son on the cross. And he said, this is how valuable you are. It has nothing to do with how much you make, how you know, your figure is, what job you have, the car that you drive, what family you came from, the color of your skin. Your value was determined when Jesus gave his life on the cross. And you can either allow that entire truth to define you. Or you can allow the opinions of people who don't matter or whose opinions don't matter to define you. But that's a half truth. It's a part truth. It's not the entire truth which is found contained in scripture. As I've already mentioned, there are so many people who experience fear, panic, anxiety. Right now, it seems like it's as high as it's ever been in culture. There's pandemic going all around us. 
people flooded with fear over what if, what if I die, what if my parents die, what if I get sick, what if something happens? And the worst thing I could say is like, oh no, that won't happen, like God's for you, nothing can stand against you, even viruses, that's not the truth. There's a part truth, you, you may get sick, someone you love may get sick, something could happen like that. But it's not the entire truth. Everything you face in life, you will face, you have faced. God is in control over. He's numbered your days. He loves you and he's for you. You can trust him. Worrying about it is not going to help you. It'll just make you anxious. Having anxious thoughts over what if is not going to help you. It'll just make you anxious and feel anxious. And he's saying, hey, in those moments where you begin to go on that train and you begin to fear and you begin to, what if and what if and what if? He said, no, hold on to what is true. Truths that you find in God's word. A lot of us, and I'll close here, you may be thinking like, man, I just don't know how to study God's word. I just don't know where to go in the Bible and I don't know what to do. So here's what I want you to do. In that moment, as you begin, hopefully you have a small group or hopefully you have a community group. I want you, as you feel, you go, what am I feeling right now? I'm afraid, I'm anxious, I'm worried. Begin to ask the question, why? What are the anxious thoughts that are informing that? What truth from God's word would apply to those? If you don't know, then bring your small group in and go, hey, here's the anxious thoughts that I'm having. What would God's word say? Because I don't know it as well as you guys do. We help me understand. Like, what, what would God's word say about the fact that I'm just really afraid I'm going to lose my job? I'm really afraid that I'm going to be single. For, what would God's word, how would it help me understand what lies I may be believing from there? This is also why it's so important for you to begin to spend time in God's word. Doing what Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, is the way that you and I experience transformation. By not being conformed by how the world thinks, but be renewed. Have your life changed. By transforming, your, have your life transformed by changing or renewing your mind, by reading God's word and beginning to apply. And when I find myself anxious, asking what anxious thoughts are feeding into this, the anxious feelings that I have, and what lies may be behind that? What's the entire truth from God's word? And you know what's gonna happen as you begin to do that? Like this is, this is the truth about anxiety. It doesn't go away overnight. Anybody tells you that generally, I, I, maybe every once in a while, I, I just have never seen it. It takes a process. It's a journey in life. If you struggle with anxiety, it, it takes time and it takes working through and it takes renewing your mind in order to retrain the way that you think. And as you do and you study God's word and you begin to address the things that make you anxious with God's word, you're gonna experience increasing amounts of peace. And you'll experience the ability to more quickly recognize, hey, I'm getting on a really anxious train that is not helpful. It's gonna take me in a direction. It's gonna take me to destination anxiousness and I don't wanna go there. And you'll quickly say, gotta get off of that. I'm gonna hold on to what's true. When I was in London, we visited some friends that, that lived in the town. They were really familiar with where everything was, they knew where the eye was, they knew where all the tourist attraction was and not just that, they knew all the tube routes. They knew all the subway routes, if you will. So we'd go with them, and here's what never happened, not one single time. We'd ride around with them, and previously, when it was just me and JP, we'd be like, oh man, I do not know what we're looking at right now, and they have some different English words that are different from the words that we use, and what are we looking at? And we would, at times, get lost. 
Not one single time did we get lost when we were with them. We'd get on, and if we were tempted to be like, oh, I think we need to take C, they'd be like, nope, don't need to take C. We need to take E. The E line is where it's going to take us up to where we want to go. They knew it because they were familiar with it because every single day they were around it. They just kind of eat, sleep, and breathe the tube. That's how they got around. They were familiar with it. So they didn't get on the wrong trains as easily as we did. But they didn't get there overnight. They didn't grow up or there was nothing miraculous. They weren't born with the understanding of like the tube layout system. Now, what does that have to do? People who are able to identify, I don't need to get on this anxious train. I need to get on the train of truth from God's word. It takes time. It takes knowing it, being familiar with it. And the more that you grow in your knowledge and understanding of God's word, the more you identify, hey, I'm feeling anxious about this. this. Here's anxious thoughts informing it. I want to fight those with the truth. I want to get on the right trains. The easier and quicker it will be. And it takes time and it's a process, but it is the path towards peace or you can continue to be anxious, which won't help, always hurts, and it doesn't have to be the experience. Final half truth uh, in here that some of you are believing is that you were too unworthy to ever go to heaven. That is a half truth. It contains a little bit of truth in it because you are too unworthy to go to heaven. The Bible says that all of us have fallen short of the standard of God, which is perfection, that all of us have fallen short of God's glorious standard. Romans chapter three, verse 23, that if it came to you on your own, you are unworthy to go to heaven. But that is not the entire truth. If you're buying the lie that I'm too unworthy, I'll never be able to go to heaven. That's partly true. You are too unworthy. But because what Christ has done, he has allowed anyone who would just trust in him as the only one worthy who gave his life for every unworthy person like me, like every ear and person listening to this message. If you'll put your trust in what Jesus did on the cross, he will make you worthy. Not because he will change you and make you like this imperfect person that deserves to go to heaven. No, it's only by what Jesus did on the cross that you and I are made or allowed or given the worthiness that only Jesus has, that only Jesus deserves, that gives us access to eternal life. And you've embraced a part truth by thinking you're not good enough to get into heaven or you are a good enough person. So I'm pretty nice and I'm pretty good. So that's probably what will get me in. Those are both lies. The truth from the Bible is that God will allow anyone and every person is unworthy. And he allows any unworthy person to have eternal life if they'll accept the free gift of putting their faith And what Jesus did for them on the cross, paying for every sin they ever committed. And when they do, they have become worthy of experiencing eternal life in a moment by faith. And you need to embrace, you've embraced the part truth, the entire truth, is that God has gone out of his way to make it so that you could have a relationship with him for all of eternity and have experience of peace for all of eternity. Let me pray. Father, I pray for anyone listening to this message that has never put their faith in Jesus, that you would make them more anxious than they have ever been about where they stand with you, about what happens after they die, in order that would prick them and lead them to reach out to you and receive the free gift that you gave by giving your son that wouldn't make them try to be a good person or attend church more or do more good things, but it would make them realize they can never do enough. And they would experience peace when they trust in what you did on the cross. 
I pray for every person that's listening to this message. And we're all in varying degrees on a journey with anxiety. Would you help us to take steps by getting off the wrong trains, addressing the lies we believe with the truth? Would you move us increasingly in the direction of peace? Though we may not be fearless overnight, that we, as we follow you, would fear less in our lives. We love you and we worship you and we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.